If you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a Kansas State sports fan. And if you're not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, I ask you to change that. I'm GoPowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. And if you want the best team and recruiting coverage you're going to find anywhere in the world covering Kansas State, you need to subscribe to GoPowerCat.com. We've got a special going right now at GPC. Go on over and hit join, check it out, and become a GoPowerCat VIP. We'll keep you up to date on everything going on with the Wildcats. We go well behind the headlines and take you inside the team. And now, let's get started with this edition of the PowerCat Podcast. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Football season is at last here. And Saturday morning at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, the Kansas State Wildcats will kick off Coach Chris Kleiman's second season at the helm of the Cats. And this season will be unlike any other we've seen. The fact that college football is beginning to take place across the nation is a sign that we are beginning to wrestle with ways to regain some form of normalcy in the face of an ongoing pandemic. But the presence of the coronavirus and COVID-19 will loom over every game this season. Welcome to the new PowerCat pregame show from GoPowerCat.com. Com. I'm Go Power Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and this season I'll be joined by fellow K-State graduate and Kansas City sports radio pioneer Kevin Keatsman, along with a roundtable of other experts as we preview each K-State game. It was not that long ago that it looked as if college football would succumb to the stress of the pandemic. But the Big 12, SEC, and ACC, along with the American, Conference USA, and Sunbelt Conferences, pressed on. Maybe there will only be a few games this season. Maybe teams such as Kansas State will end up playing all 10 of their scheduled contests. We can only go forward to find out. What we do know right now is Kansas State will play host to Arkansas State out of the Sun Belt in a game now scheduled for an 11 a.m. kickoff. The game was originally slated for a 2.30 p.m. start, but an outbreak of COVID cases at Louisiana Tech forced it to postpone its game Saturday with Baylor. And Fox Sports moved K-State's game into its coveted big noon kickoff slot at 11 a.m. Central. The game will be shown nationally on the Fox Broadcast Network. K-State will be back in the big noon slot in two weeks when it opens Big 12 play at Oklahoma. It's a season filled with unknowns for programs such as K-State, which lost its spring football sessions and much of its summer conditioning program to the pandemic shutdowns. What will the limited number of fans see when they attend Saturday's game? It's hard to say because the unknowns loom over everything related to this college football season. But we will do our best to prepare you for Saturday's game with this edition of the Fitz and Keats PowerCat pregame show. After a long career in television and radio in Kansas City, Kevin Keatsman has now joined the podcasting realm with his new daily program, Kevin Keatsman has issues. It's a mashup of sports, current events, and some politics, and it's already taking off despite going daily 
just earlier this week. You can check it out at kkhasissues.com. And now that he is free of other contractual obligations, Keats has agreed to join me on this brand new version of the PowerCat podcast football pregame show. But although we have a brand new name, we still have Manhattan's Robbins Motor Company alongside as our sponsor. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Fitz and Keats PowerCat pregame show. And now let's bring in my sidekick, Mr. Kevin Keatsman, host of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. I've known that for a long time. I've known that, brother, for a long time. But, hey, by the way, congratulations on the early success of the podcast and uh, a brilliant name, a, a brilliant double-edged name. Uh, you're off to a good start. Well, that's very kind of you. I knew the name had to be right or people wouldn't pay attention to it or, or hear about it. I think just the word of mouth of people in and around Kansas City saying Kevin Keats. Some people think Kevin Keatsman really has issues, and some people <laughs> like know that I really like to talk about issues, which I do like to talk about issues. So it, you're right. It, it's a double-edged sword, and hopefully it's uh, catchy enough that it gets people to listen. And I'm I'm learning. You, you've taught me a lot. I, I got to just say right here, thank you to you and, and, you know, all that you've been through in your your uh, health and your personal life with everything you've dealt with and COVID coming along and your business and the changes that you've been through. The time that you took for me to teach me and share with me some things about podcasting because I don't really know and didn't really know and I'm learning every day, I can never repay you, Fitz. I mean, you've been great all through the years being on my radio show, but the advice you've given me about podcasting has been very, very helpful, and I, I just – I can't repay you, man. I can't thank you enough. I love it because uh, I'm prone to – uh, making mistakes. I'm not as polished as Kevin Keatsman, the radio guy, so I get to go back and take out my boo-boos if I do. But uh, I, I love the podcast realm. I mean, it's just a really comfortable place for me. And, and it's going to be fun with this because you always like to talk K-State sports, but in the Kansas City market, you were kind of limited in how much you could do simply because of uh, the demographics. I mean, the numbers, K-Staters get upset, but the numbers are clear. Um, what the who's in the market and what interest is in the market as an overall thing. So now with this, you can talk K-State all you want. I can, no doubt. And I'll, I'll note this about the podcast. You're clearly a better editor than me because I leave my mistakes in and just let them go. <laughs> it's okay. But I'm used to that. I kind of want it to sound live anyway. So um, that's no big deal. Here's the thing I think I'm proudest of about Kansas State Athletics in the Kansas City metropolitan area. I worked in television for 10 years. And it was very difficult to get the assignment editor or anybody to let me go to Manhattan and cover a game or cover a story or do something. One of the very few times I was allowed to go to Manhattan for a story was when Lon Kruger, it was a Sunday, was leaving for Florida. And I, I knew him a little bit and had a little bit of an in. And I went out there and I got the only interview with him that day. And we all got, they had to spend a hundred bucks or something for satellite time to send it back to Kansas City and get it on the air by 10 o'clock or whatever. And they everybody in Kansas City treated Kansas State like, it was Butte, Montana. Mm-hmm. We, we just we cannot go there and cover anything. It's too far. And I feel like I helped a lot in breaking that down. When I left television got into radio, Kansas State was every bit as important as KU or MU, which was unheard of in this town. And we started treating all of the colleges like we treated the pro teams, which had never really happened in Kansas City prior to that either. Over the last 23 years, it's really evolved. Kansas State's on an equal playing field here with everyone else as far as coverage is concerned. They really, truly are. Now, 
are there more members of the media that went to Kansas or love Kansas or whatever? Is there bias? Oh, there's plenty of bias in the Kansas City media. But Kansas State gets an absolute equal shake in this town, and that wasn't the case a couple decades ago. It simply wasn't. And social media is making that uh, better and better, by the way, because you don't need the traditional media like you once did. You know, social media takes over so many other things. Kansas State's got a great footing in Kansas City. There's no doubt about that. It's always nice when K-State plays University of Kansas and they come to Manhattan because then the Kansas City media always just shows up. It's like, oh, we found Manhattan this year. <laughs> you know, it's only 90 minutes, Smith. You know this. Know. It's only 90 minutes. It's nothing. It's the easiest drive. Back. You know, it's a way better drive than Columbia. No offense. I'm not trying to offend Missouri people. That drive is like, first of all, it's dangerous. It's just nothing but trucks. And I-70 is really narrow in places. Then you get distracted with all the triple X video billboards and stop here for adult videos and stuff. And you're looking around, and he's like, man, that's a death trap driving down there to Columbia. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, if you shop for stuff along the way, make sure you don't get your, your stuff you buy at the triple X store confused with your fireworks, because that can be dangerous. <laughs> And they're usually sharing the same building. <laughs> exactly. What a masterful <laughs> business idea. I think I'll start up porn and fireworks. It's beautiful. Oh, my. Yep. Well, let's talk about football. Uh, did you think we would get here where we're actually getting ready to kick off college football? Yes, but I've not been negative through COVID. Um, the NFL's numbers that came out this week are astounding. You know, they had, they had a string of 200,000 tests with no positives. Last week, they did 44,000 tests in the NFL and had one positive, and that person was not symptomatic. So the NFL clearly has an advantage over college football, but they just, they're able to control, and, and these guys are making a living, and you know all the things that go on. If you're 19, you're younger, and you're on campus, and there's girls, and there's parties, it's clearly more difficult for college football. But I think the rosters are big enough that I think some people have kind of accepted, look, if we have enough people out, maybe we'll just play through it. I don't know. We're seeing some postponements. That has surprised me a little bit. I was hoping we wouldn't see postponements like baseball had. Listen, if you didn't take care of it and you're missing a bunch of players, go play through it. You may get beat, but that's part of the deal. The thing that's so shocking, I think, for a lot of people is that everybody that's testing positive in college is not symptomatic. I mean, there's nobody at the hospital. There's nobody anywhere. They're just testing positive. So you sort of create your own problem, and I felt like that's what was going to happen. The more you test young, healthy athletes, and get positives, the more you're going to find that they're not really sick. And the more we kind of become immune to the whole thing and say, well, why aren't we playing that? Right. You know, cause we see injuries in sports. We see people get sick all the time and things happen to people. This isn't that we're just testing people, people positive and saying, go sit on the sideline. But you know, you're there and you're around the program. You have to do that. Right. I mean, if a kid tests positive, you got to get in the heck out of there. Well, yeah. And the problem really isn't the positive test. You might have, if you have a really bad week and five guys test positive on Monday, who did they hang out with all weekend? Because all those guys are lost too. Is that's the quarantine factor is the really bad thing here. I, and I understand they need to have caution. They don't want it spreading throughout the team, but they've got to find a way to, to have more accurate testing to cut down on the quarantines. Just because you, you might have a roommate that was careless doesn't mean you're positive and you shouldn't have to miss three weeks of football. It's all crazy. But in this, what am I trying to say here, Keats? Uh, Lawyer-driven society now, yeah. everyone's so cautious. Everyone's so cautious to the point of paralysis. And it, it it's not working that well for college football. But I'll say this. I picked up from Chris Kleiman during Tuesday's Zoom teleconference that – 
He is full steam ahead. He has that attitude you just mentioned. We're going to have injuries. We're going to have illnesses. We're going to be depleted at certain positions. And you know what we're going to do? Unless it's really bad and we absolutely cannot, Kansas State's going to play football. They're going to next man up it, even if it's the head coach, and go play football. And I was afraid we were going to lose this Arkansas State game, but it looks like it's full steam ahead. They're going to get it done. Okay, and and here's the best part is um, no matter what happens, nobody loses any eligibility here. So if you have to play a freshman quarterback at some point, you play the freshman quarterback and you don't worry about it hurting your program somewhere down the road. So they've made some rules like that. You're there and I'm not. How much is COVID affecting Kansas State right now? And, and do they do they list all the names? Do we know who's out? Do we have to wait to show up? How do you know who's playing and who's not? We don't. And that's the thing is you get into the, the HIPAA laws, the medical privacy, and I, I embrace that. I understand that. But if you want to know how many guys are positive on the team, you have to kind of turn to the Riley County Health Department because they're the ones who put out the official numbers, and they will list outbreak areas, whether it's a fraternity or sorority or a football team. And so you do pick up those numbers. The numbers are, you know, in the single digits. Um, but you don't learn the quarantine numbers. And you don't learn the positions. And we have heard that some positions have been hit harder than others due to the quarantine rules. And they're going to be depleted. And I think, just as a little preview here, you're probably going to see some really creative uses of receivers. You're going to probably see Sammy Wheeler, a tight end at receiver, Deuce Vaughn, a freshman running back at wide receiver, and Lord knows who else, because I think they're fairly depleted at receiver heading into this game. But this offense for Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham is diverse. You can have some fun with that. And I love that I'm not hearing any negativity from Chris Kleiman. No woe is us. It's just all, well, we got to go play. And uh, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday how bad it is because as I've written about at GoParacat.com, you're going to see mystery absences all year long with no comment because guys just had to sit out due to quarantine rules. Is there a feeling with Kansas State that they have more COVID cases than other teams? I don't think so. I think they – they felt that way early on, of course, and, you know, to recap, they, they brought everyone in um, and then had a, a bunch of parties saying, hey, we're back in Manhattan where football players were cool. And boom, they had a bunch of players come down with it. And, of course, a lot of quarantining of players that were exposed. They had to shut things down for two weeks. And Keats, I think they all learned from that, not only learning how to be more accountable as an individual and, and that this thing can spread easily, so be careful, I think K-State learned from that that we're going to get positives. We don't have to shut her down. Let's keep going forward if at all possible. Um, And I like the fact that the Big 12 now has clearly defined the 53-man roster, who's on it, um, what you need to compete. And if you don't fit the criteria for playing, you can declare a no contest and try to reschedule. But if you do doesn't matter how depleted you think you are. If you meet these basic requirements, you've got to play, and K-State falls under that. But I look around college campuses right now, and I see numbers from you know North Carolina or someplace else that are radically higher than Manhattan, Kansas. So much to my surprise, I think K-State's in pretty good shape compared to some others. Well, shameless plug, last week I did a podcast with President Myers. That was outstanding, by the way. And he told a great story about 9-11, his day of 9-11, when he was the acting chairman of the Joint Chiefs, which is totally worth listening to. But we talked football first and COVID, and I don't think he was supposed to say it, 
but he told me he had just heard like an hour or two before I did the interview. And I assume he meant from Chris Kleiman or whoever his coach is that he speaks with on a daily basis, that Kansas state is in all likelihood going to have players play on both sides of the ball. That this yeah. guys from defense may flip over and offense to defense and whatnot. And, and he said, I, I just heard that today. And that was a week ago now, but uh, I found that to be very interesting as well. We could see some two way playing. I'm intrigued by that. I don't know who it'll be, but I would imagine it's going to be some skill guys. I mean, you've got some really good athletes that they might deploy at receiver if they're depleted um, and try to put them in a position to maybe make something happen. This is, in a way, this is going to be a really fun college football season. You're going to see coaches really have to dig into their creativity to get offenses and defenses out there. And also you're going to see teams have to go kind of bland, almost like high school football. You can't get it too complex because all of a sudden my left guard is a defensive tackle, you know, and and he played left guard in high school, so he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't know all of our schemes that much. It's it's going to be a very intriguing season. And as I've told people at Go Pyrocat, the result is going to be twofold. You're going to have blowouts like we saw against BYU and Navy where one team is clearly more prepared and more healthy. And you're also going to have upsets where maybe the favored team comes in with a ragged roster from COVID and injuries and they get beat. And it's just going to make this a really entertaining college football season. Well, we were having beers a couple of weeks ago with some buddies and we were talking college football and the conversation came up about Kansas, you know, what's Les Miles going to have this year or whatever. And one of my buddies, he had, he had a couple of beers and he says, he says, you know what? If they handle COVID better than anyone else, they're going to be better than anybody can imagine they're going to be. They're going to beat other teams because they're better at COVID. And we laughed and made a joke, you know, that it can only help KU that COVID came along or whatever. And then I started thinking about that for a few days. And it's true. Exactly what, right. what if Kansas is better at handling COVID? Somebody in the Big 12 is going to be better than the other nine. Maybe not by a, a wide margin, but somebody's going to have better results with COVID than the other nine. Somebody's going to finish first with the least cases. If that's Kansas, can you imagine the advantage that gives them? And I also worry about nefarious actors in, in college football that start ignoring tests. Can that happen? Would a coach do that? Yeah. Would a coach be able to do that to get their doctors to go along? It's just all going to be very interesting to me to see where this lands, who stays healthy, and what if a really healthy team plays and then the other team comes out of it with a bunch of COVID? Will that indicate that maybe they were not reporting their cases? But you're right. I think it's going to just open things up. And if you're a downtrodden team like Kansas, I, you know, you're favored to lose most of the games, if that's the right way to say it. You're uh, and uh, maybe you do pick off some wins. I think with Kansas uh, and other programs, uh, the concern with COVID isn't really the players, it's the coach. When you have an older coach with some health issues, this is yeah. this is scary. I mean, we can argue about how dangerous it is for the players, which I think we both agree that from a serious aspect, it's really not that dangerous, but for a guy like Les Miles or if it had been Bill Snyder, yeah, it, it can be testy. So, um, will we see a coach get midseason and opt out uh, because they they get it and they said I'm going to shut it down and turn it over to my assistants? It's going to be well, fascinating. I, I think there's a, there's a given for Kansas State, and that is this: if Skylar Thompson stays healthy, doesn't get COVID, doesn't get hurt, whatever, if he plays a full season and he's already started so many games, if he if he's able to play all ten games this year and never has to sit out, 
This will be the best opportunity he's ever going to have to play against the weakest defenses he's ever seen because every team he plays is going to have starters out every week. Right. I don't think there's any question about that. Between injuries and COVID, that's what he's going to see. And in many cases, uh, maybe you adjust in-game. Maybe you don't know what the roster is in three weeks for Oklahoma, but all of a sudden you show up and their top two corners aren't in, and you were going to run it 50% and pass it for 50%. Now maybe you go 80-20, and you start picking on some freshman corners that are out there. And this is going to be fascinating what these coaches do in-game when they start to see who's on the field. I, I, you know, I love Chris Kleiman and the staff. I don't think there's any question they won eight games last year because they're good coaches. Okay, that that they knew what they in a first year to come in and do what they did is impressive. You know, we see a lot of new coaches that you've seen a lot of new coaches in a lot of sports come and go. And what they came in and did, in my opinion, was very impressive because it was by and large, week in, week out, a very well coached team that knew what it was and executed a game plan. It maybe wasn't always the prettiest thing in the world, but they stayed true to who and what they are. Now they've had a year to implement all this. They're bringing a lot of guys back, not on the offensive line, but you've got a quarterback with so much experience. And if Skyler plays all year, I think he's going to see some defenses that are kind of ragged out there. I agree. I agree. And uh, one of the things I don't understand about the preseason polls, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, Kansas State did go 5-4 and four in the conference last year, eight wins overall. Um, was it a polished team? No. I mean, that West Virginia loss jumps out at you. It was horrible. But they still went 5-4. and four. They still exceeded expectations in the Big 12. And you turn around the next season – and basically the media picks Kansas State to be in the exact same place they picked them a year ago. And, oh, by the way, they have a returning veteran senior quarterback. Nobody's arguing that Skylar yeah. Thompson is Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is saying that. But he won games. He helped them beat Oklahoma. This kid has an upside, and if he is better, I cannot justify the pick of seventh or eighth in this conference based on having a veteran quarterback, even if they are depleted in other numbers, I I think Skylar Thompson is being overlooked by the conference. Uh, there's no question. And I, I always get accused of oversimplifying football because I know it's a 11 guys on the field and it is a team effort. There is no doubt about that. I've always believed in teams that have a coach and a quarterback. Right. If you have a coach and a quarterback, you're going to win. And that's in the pros too. I mean, you know, that that's just across the board. Look, I think all questions are gone about Chris Kleiman. Anybody that thought, oh, can you take it from North Dakota State to the Big 12? That's out. He went 5-4. and four, He won eight regular season games. He beat Oklahoma. That's over. That discussion's over. The man can coach, and this is going to be a well-coached football team. And the biggest issue K-State's going to have with Chris Kleiman probably going forward is, can they keep him here for a long, long time? Which is a great problem to have. Let's hope they get there. Skylar Thompson has started, what, 27, 28 games? He's probably going to wind up being a five-year starter after next year. If he comes back and plays again, you can't pick a team with a coach that a coach that always wins. Now we know this. No matter where he's been, he always wins with a quarterback that has won so much and played so many games. You can't pick him seventh. Can't do it. But it's Kansas State. It's the same journalists, the same writers every single year. They vote in these polls the same way. I'm going to be really disappointed if K-State finishes seventh this year. The only way to me that would be acceptable is. If there's a, a rash of COVIDs and injuries and Thompson doesn't play and gets hurt or is out and they got to fill in here and fill in there, I'm not saying it can't happen, but if the K-State season is pretty normal from a personnel stand, uh, standpoint and Skylar Thompson plays all year, they ain't finishing seventh. They're going to be a lot better than that. I agree. I totally agree. You have to go look at who votes on this, and just because of the size of media markets, 
that preseason Big 12 poll, be it football or basketball, is overloaded with Texas votes. It just is. And and really, if you look at the picks both last year and this year, it's Iowa State and the Southern schools. I mean, it's just the way it is. Everyone adores Matt Campbell, so they vote them up high. Maybe they'll have their breakthrough this year. I'm not sure. But other than Texas Tech, everyone gets voted above Kansas State. In fact, Texas Tech was voted above Kansas State last year. Um, and I just find it hard to believe that the Texas schools are always going to be better than Kansas State. And yet that's how these people vote every year. Every and year. that's my problem with the media poll. Now that people are putting out who votes where, you're voting for your your listeners, mm-hmm. readers, not really what you think. And that's why I just don't participate in these things. I, I know Kansas State. I would probably pick them in the top four this season. Um, and I probably am just as wrong as the people that are picking them eighth. And, I mean, they're just so ingrained with bias um, and not because your opinions are wrong. No opinions are wrong, but I truly believe they're not voting based on what they think. They're voting on, I don't want to piss off my readers or viewers. Yeah, and, I, and this is for somewhere down the road uh, in a couple of weeks, but I, I've already started looking at that Oklahoma game, and I hope that thing is on because I, if you're going to play Oklahoma this year, I want to play them early. They've got oh, yeah. this Spencer Rattler coming in as the quarterback. Kansas State defense frustrated and confused Oklahoma for the entire first half of that game last year. And if they did that with veteran players out there, what's it going to be for a freshman quarterback? I I think it's if you have to go on the road and you have to play Oklahoma, let's play them early with a quarterback that started all these games. And let's go see if we can confuse a freshman quarterback that's never faced a good defense because that's what Rattler will come into that game with. Really no experience facing any kind of a complex defense. I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I, I won't predict today. I'll wait until that week and see what we've got for health issues and things like that. Man, if Kansas State could win uh, Saturday and then beat Oklahoma, look out. I mean, this this could quickly turn into something where people go, watch out for this team. That's two years in a row that they beat Oklahoma. I am not ruling out winning in Norman, man. I don't know about, about you, but I'm not ruling that out at all. I'm not either. I mean, you're exactly right. You've got to play Oklahoma at some point. Getting them right out of the gate was a godsend for Kansas State. Um, it's just awesome. You're right. Spencer Rattler won't be as long down the road as he will be by season's end. Let, let's get him early, see what happens. And then if you lose, you move on. You now are down to four road games and four home games because uh, you got the the odd-numbered road game out of the way. Um, I love it. And fa- In fact, do it early when – you know, you don't know what the crowds will really be like, and um, I, I'm just I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. It hurts Kansas State not having fans. Uh, it, this is a really good atmosphere, particularly that student section right behind the opposing bench, and to lose that for K-State, I do think it kind of hurts them more than other schools. But uh, everyone's going to go through it, and playing on the road will be easier this year. Yeah. The question I have for Kansas State that I don't have an answer to, and I'll ask you because I'm going to guess you – you either know or you have an opinion on this, is Josh Youngblood and how they get the ball in his hands more because he is really, really exciting. What is what is the answer there? How do they incorporate him more? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting last year, how little he was incorporated in the offense, even if it was a bubble screen or a jet sweep, you know, things that you don't really have to know much of the offense to to pull those off. I think he will be incorporated a lot more. We Strangely, for a guy who was pretty reliable catching kickoffs, we don't know how his hands are 
as a pass receiver. We'll find out very quickly, but he will be a main part of this. And you mix him in with Knowles and Gill and Sebastian Taylor, you've got the makings of a fairly dynamic group at receiver if slash when they're healthy. Um, but he is a va- he's very valuable. He's a game changer in special teams, as we found out. And uh, it's a big statement to say this. He might be one of the best returners in K-State history, and you know what that means. That's huge. Would you see any sense in, because I think this is an idea, in the way the Chiefs have used Tyreek Hill early. He doesn't run the ball as much as he used to. He's more of a receiver now. But when he first started, they'd run him three, four, five times a game, put him in motion, that little forward toss that Mahomes has where he tosses it to him while he's in motion. Those type of plays, would you see – uh, real value in designing those things up and implementing those this year? I do. I do. I think we're going to see that with Deuce Vaughn a little bit, the little freshman out of Texas, the the kid that makes Darren Sproles look tall. Um, they're raving about him. He's listed as a running back, but I think he's going to be in that kind of role. I'm going to play running back. I'm going to get in a slot here. Uh, now they're going to move me out of the backfield and split me wide to mess with the defense. I think that's what we're going to see more of from this offensive uh, scheme is they, Courtney Messingham, like Bill Snyder's offense, like to move parts around the chessboard to see what you're moving and then respond to that. And at times they had to keep it a little more simple last year because it was the first year, but they now say Skylar Thompson understands it a lot better. He knows how to get everyone in the right place. So maybe if you line up Josh Youngblood in the backfield, that certainly will get the defensive attention, and then you suddenly split him out, and he's got a linebacker on him uh, that will wreak havoc with what a defense wants to do. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see this team play. I'm I, really excited. I am too, and and I think this K-State defense is going to be fun. They might give up more points, but I just have the sneaking suspicion that Joe Klanderman, even though he doesn't have the cool beard, is going to be a little bit more aggressive than Scotty Hazelton, who was dramatically more aggressive than his predecessors. Um, but I think K-State's going to do a little more man. They're going to mix it in and really come after opposing quarterbacks. Now, I don't know if they'll do that this week. I don't know if they'll want to put that much on film or they'll keep it pretty basic. But uh, I think they're going to get after people with this defensive front seven and maybe bring some secondary blitzes. Um, I'm the Klanderman brand is something I'm going to keep an eye on over these first few games. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's a, you know, the new season is here, and hopefully there's no interruptions and we can play this thing through. Uh, Kansas State's been so good through the years and so exciting. And I just I think it's great when you have a quarterback back like they do. The defense was, was really good at times last year. What I liked was it was the coaching. You could see the coaching was very good. When they were aggressive, it worked. They confused quarterbacks. I love when I see a college quarterback get confused early in a game. Uh, playing against Kansas State, you feel real good about that game. I mean, really good. Even if the team's running the ball on you a little bit, you could say, well, if the quarterback looks just a little bit confused here today, man, that's everything. Because that doesn't usually go away in a college game. You can you can mess with an NFL quarterback a lot of times for a half, and they'll make some adjustments and come back and look in the second half great. But most of the times in college football, you get a confused quarterback early on. They don't figure it out most of the day. And for the first time in a while, K-State has a – really dynamic pass rusher in Wyatt Hubert. It's so K-State. I mean, they're quarterbacks from the Kansas City metro area, and now they're star defensive players from Topeka that they have these local guys that step up. I think Wyatt Hubert, in seeing him, if he's maintained his speed and agility, 
he's going to look like an NFL guy this season because he is huge. He's thick and he's explosive and uh, he'll get a lot of attention from opposing offensive lines, but that that opens up things for other people along that defensive line to make plays. I'm really fired up to see Wyatt Hubert in action and see if he's taking that big step forward that K-State coaches expect from him. He's a game wrecker. It seems like he's got a knack for big plays. And third down or, you know, the game's on the line. He's got that knack, too. You know, the, the really great pass rushers, the guys on the edge, the really, really good ones, step up at the most important time, Absolutely, even if they're double teamed. Um, and I think he gets stronger as the game goes on. I love watching him at the end of the game when those offensive linemen get tired. He's a game wrecker. He's absolutely the guy that, that every other team has to prepare for and account for because he can change the game with one strip sack and uh, a ball game can change in a heartbeat just like that. How worried are you about Kansas State losing to Arkansas State? How worried am I? Yeah. Well, I, if I if I knew more about the roster and who all is playing and everything, uh-huh. you know, I, I'm, I'm not really worried at all uh, as long as Skylar Thompson's playing. Well, I mean, Memphis already played him and put 508 yards on the board or something against them. So clearly Arkansas State doesn't have much of a defensive team. You would think that Kansas State would be in a good enough position that even if this was uh, – and this is a tougher game than most teams in the conference are playing, clearly. They're playing a better opponent than most of the teams in the Big 12 or around the country that are playing non-cons, whatever. I mean, that bothers you a little bit, but I think push come to shove in this game, just based on how poor Arkansas State's defense looked, I think Kansas State, if they get involved in a tight game, will be able to kind of score at will and win in a shootout if they had to. But, I mean, would you really be concerned about Arkansas State putting 40 on the board in Manhattan? I, I guess I'm just not that concerned about that. You know, this season, more than most, I care about the outcome of this game, but in the big picture, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be judged against your conference opponents. Um, and yep. that's really really what's important right now for Kansas State coming into the season is uh, they don't want to lose this, but, boy, if they do, that just wipe that clean and move on a couple of weeks and go to Oklahoma. You know, you lose home field advantage. It's not going to be loud or anything yeah. like that. I don't know how many people are going to be in there, but it's not going to be loud. But then you get an advantage out on the road. You know, that's another advantage of the Oklahoma game is you don't have to worry about, you know, 90,000 people in there uh, out to get you on a, a Saturday afternoon. So there's give and take with all of it. I think K-State loses a little bit of the advantage by not having a, you know, such a great, intimate, loud setting in that ad. And it truly is one of the special, great places to watch a football game. And unfortunately, it just won't be that way this year. No, it won't. His name's Kevin Keatsman. Check him out at kkhasissues.com. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast. He's into the daily mode now, a daily podcast about Kansas City sports, Kansas City stuff, a little politics and and college pro. It's going to be good stuff, Keats. What I've listened to, the General Myers interview was a home run, man. That was that was fantastic. Congratulations on the, the quick launch. Thank you, friend. I appreciate it. It's going to be great speaking with you every week. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Kevin. We'll do it every week, and we'll be right back after the break. We'll open up the roundtable. The experts are lined up, and I will talk to them all on the Powercat pregame show brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The Powercat podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the Fitz and Keats PowerCat pregame show. GoPowerCat.com's pregame podcast leading up to each Kansas State football game. Kansas State and Arkansas State kick off the season Saturday at 11 a.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Chris Kleiman's second year at the helm is about ready to begin. And to get us ready for that, it's time for our roundtable session. And due to the pandemic, it's a little bit different now. We bring them in one by one by phone. And we've got them all lined up. But first, a reminder that we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show. Well, in the roundtable this year, we're going to have a trio of our experts. Ryan Wallace from the Go Powercat staff. He covers recruiting, but he also helps out with team coverage. Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman and our football analyst. He also helps me out on the post-game podcast that comes after every K-State football game. Look for that Saturday evening following the game with Arkansas State. And my good friend Kelly Stewart, a.k.a. Kelly in Vegas, will handle... Our gambling outlook. We will look at the line, the spreads, and even take a peek around the conference to see what things entice her to get to the window leading up to game day. But first, let's get it started and bring in our own expert here at Go Powercat, Mr. Ryan Wallace. Wally, how concerned are you that K-State will not be ready for this Arkansas State game? Um... You know, I think from a mental standpoint, I think the guys are, are certainly going to be ready. I mean, I think they've been itching to go, you know, all the way since April. And so I think, you know, putting the helmet on, putting the pads on, getting out on the field, seeing someone new, um, having however many fans end up uh, arriving to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, I think they'll be they'll be ready from that standpoint as far as, uh, conditioned, you know, how conditioned they are from that sense of being ready, um, you know, how ready some of these guys are to play the amount of snaps that they're going to be playing, whether they're starters or backups. Um, that is still probably TBD right now because, again, we didn't have a spring. Um, even the summer, and I think fall camp was a little touch and go because of COVID. And so when you take into the account the lack of an off season that this team has had. And then you couple in the fact that there have been groups that have been hit by COVID. Um, and so some are in quarantine right now. It, it puts a lot of things in jeopardy for your typical season opener. Yeah, it really does. It, there's just so many unknowns. And like I've said at the site, we're going to see blowouts and upsets all season long, just because COVID offers in such an unknown with quarantines and actually positive players you just don't know what you're getting into let's get into this if i had to pick an expert to scout the um, arkansas state memphis game it would be you because i know you followed the tigers throughout your lifetime and and you watched that game what were your thoughts about the red wolves after watching them lose to memphis 
Well, yeah, I mean, my father and I had that game on and watched it in its entirety. He's an alum, and, and I was born in Memphis, so uh, been a Tiger fan from birth. And let me tell you, I, I was pretty impressed with Arkansas State. I think when you think back to uh, Kansas State's you know, schedules of the last several years under Snyder 2.0 and then last year with Chris Kleiman, I think the argument can be made a strong argument that COVID or not, this will be the strongest season opening opponent that Kansas State has faced, um, certainly since Stanford. Um, and then if you go back a little bit further than that, I think maybe the more comparable um, matchup from a competitive level was UCLA in 2011. Obviously, Arkansas State, they're not Power Five, they're from the Sun Belt, but this is a team that will uh, match up with K State. Um, from a competitive standpoint, very well in a lot of areas. I think it starts in the trenches. Um, Fitz, you've talked about it all week, about this three-man front that Arkansas State's going to throw at K-State. Um, the Wildcats have not fared well against three-man fronts, um, and Arkansas State has a good one with Forrest, uh, Forrest Merrill is a defensive tackle, uh, nose tackle in this three-man front. He's really good, uh, and they're going to be going against a new offensive line, so that could create even more problems for a K-State offensive line that is already not or lacking on experience. And then when you look to the offensive line, um, it's juniors and seniors across the board. I think there's only one player of the five that didn't receive uh, at least honorable mention all-conference last year. And then on the outsides, you've got two receivers that go 6-3 and 6-5. So the question is, um, if Arkansas State can kind of get some things going um, in the trenches and, and really kind of become a balanced offense for this quarterback carousel that the Red Wolves are kind of running at the moment. Um, it, it, it could make things interesting because I, I think Memphis was able to uh, eventually win over the Red Wolves with a lot of their skill positions and their playmakers making plays. With K-State, um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get their playmakers involved because of some of the inexperience, as we've talked about, um, that K-State has on, on uh, in the trenches on the defensive line and the offensive line. It's going to be interesting. I, I'll get into the offensive line a lot more with Brian Hanley in a little bit because he is a former offensive lineman, but this is my area of concern. Some people are worried about the defensive tackles. I feel like K-State's got enough to kind of get through there, but you add in quarantines and illnesses and injuries along a really – inexperienced offensive line and a lot could go wrong up there Wally it's just it it's always important for people but the way K-State's offense is built this line has to be physical agile and really do some specific things for this offense to click and we'll see really quickly if they're up to that yeah and I think something that you know we discussed at Go Powercat a little bit and, and tried to really hone in on a little bit this off season that's been so impactful when you speak about the offensive line is the the lack of cohesion that they've been able to have uh I think far too many people underestimate um the the job that communication does on the offensive line and, and knowing the tendencies of the guy next to you, when you don't have a spring and you don't have a typical off season and summer camp and fall camp to really get to know those guys beside you, 
Um, even though we've heard that the staff is high on this group of offensive linemen, that this group, the ceiling is, is higher than maybe the group that, that they're replacing, which was loaded with veterans. When you talk about Tyler Mitchell, Scott France, Adam Holtorf, this group might have a higher ceiling, but I think it's going to take a couple weeks for them to get there. And, oh, by the way, you're playing a team that, yeah, they're 0-1, but they've already played a game. Um, and so they've already kind of knocked the rust off a little bit. Um, and, and so I think when you couple all of that together, I'm right there with you, Fitz. I think the potential for this offensive line to be good and to do all the things that Connor Riley wants to do schematically are there. Um, but I think that there's going to be some bumpy stretches in the road right out of the gate, no doubt about it. Defensively, I'm excited about this. Joe Klanderman takes over from Scotty Hazelton. Everything we're hearing, Joe Klanderman's going to be even more aggressive than Scotty Hazelton was. And it's not that Scotty Hazelton became Phil Bennett and blitzed on every down, but it was so refreshing last season after being so conservative for many years on the defensive side to see a different pre-snap posture, to get after the other team. And I'm all in if Klanderman wants to be a little more aggressive even than that. And he mentioned that he really likes his ability to cover. He feels like their corners and their safeties are going to be stronger and they're going to be able to do some more things on the back end of the defense, which might free up the front end of the defense to get after teams. It is very promising. They have some really good players back in that secondary that it's well put together, about as sound as K-State's had in a long, long time. Yeah, and I'm with you, Fitz, when you talk about the defense. I think the front four, I have some concerns because there are some question marks. We know Wyatt Hubert is a beast. He's just a freak. But I think he's becoming a known commodity. And so I think that he's going to attract a little bit more attention, maybe some more double teams this season. We, we've heard Khalid Duke is, has really taken a step forward, and we know Bronson Massey has that speed. But, again, I want to see them do it on Saturday. Uh, Drew Wiley, Eli Huggins, they're gaining a lot of praise. We want to see them do it first before, you know, I I feel comfortable jumping on board. But behind them makes me a little bit more optimistic about, you know, any errors or, you know, any extra time that that front four needs to develop is okay because of that back half. You know, oh, you need some extra pass rush. Well, I'm sure Eli Sullivan can can make that happen. Daniel Green proved that last year. You get Justin Hughes back. All those guys in the linebacking core, even Cody Fletcher, can correct errors um, that happen in front of them. And then behind them, Fitz, like you said, uh, this secondary is really, really strong, very fast. They're going to be able to cover sideline to sideline and stick with receivers. You get A.J. Parker back healthy. Wayne Jones is back healthy uh, and, and it has a season under his belt. Jerron McPherson is back where I think his, his real home is, which is at a safety position. You had Will Jones and all of his speed. And then, obviously, Lance Robin is, Robinson is more mature. Keandre Thomas is over there. They love T.J. Smith. They love T. Denson. I mean, the, the names go on and on, Fitz. And so even though there are some question marks and a little bit of hesitancy from guys like you and me from that front four, Wyatt Huber decide anyway, I, I think it's that back half that really gives you some versatility and some optimism that this defense will be just fine. You're mentioning players in there that they have picked up over the last two years, and recruiting's your corner of our world. They're slowly improving Kansas State's recruiting, and it's already showing up on the field, isn't it? 
It is. And, you know, we talked about offensive line and there's some question marks there, but they brought in some guys that they feel like are going to help them become a more athletic group there, even though they lack the experience. I'm thinking of guys like Taylor Potier. I'm thinking of Cooper Beebe, who's going to start here on Saturday. Um, there are a number of guys there, Dawson Delforge. Um, I think you'll see his name get in the mix here as this season progresses. Um, but then beyond that, you know, cornerback in particular fits with a kind of a, a nagging area for a lot of K-State fans in Snyder 2.0. Tom Hayes was, was really good fundamentally. He was a great teacher, um, but they just never were able to attract the type of athlete they needed to go against and be competitive with these big 12 offenses, especially the receivers. And they've gone out and not only found guys that can run, uh, but guys that are long, you know, I mean, Will Jones might not be the tallest guy, but he's got some, some length to him and a, and a wingspan to him that can be disruptive in the passing game. And so I think you're seeing from cornerback receiver, uh, you know, Josh Youngblood, and even in running back, when you talk about a guy like Deuce Vaughn that we hope to see on Saturday, these kind of gadget players um, that K-State can be flexible with and, and really be a more balanced offense, the more balanced defense, that's all because of the job Chris Kleiman is doing, not only getting these kids, but really evaluating the right guys that, that make this system click. One final question. K-State slides into that 11 a.m. big noon kickoff slot for Fox, so they'll be nationally on Fox, the big Fox. How big is this for recruiting? Because they turn around in two weeks when they open Big 12 play at Oklahoma at 11 a.m. on Big Noon. Again, two national televised, not regional, coast-to-coast broadcast on Fox games. This is big for recruiting, isn't it? There are kids out there that, you know, whether you're committed or not committed, (laughs) that have not seen Kansas State football, whether it's through a TV screen or in person, um, since before March. I mean, you are Without having visits, uh, there are so many kids nationally, particularly when you start thinking about the 2022 class that they're trying to sell these kids on that, that you know, haven't taken an unofficial visit maybe last fall or something like that, uh, that know nothing about Kansas State, haven't really been able to see it. And so when you have a national broadcast that you can – you know, message these kids about, hey, turn us on, tune in. Um, That's enormous for Kansas State. And there are so many commitments, too, just in this 2021 class, guys that are from Kansas that that I've talked to within the last week or two that are so excited just to be able to watch Kansas State football again. So I think from a standpoint of of you've got the kids that are already in love with Kansas State, maybe have already committed to K-State, they're just excited to see some purple on the TV screen again, see Chris Kleiman, Skylar Thompson, these guys go out and do their thing. And then from a future standpoint with 2022, 2023, you know, this is kind of a, a dress rehearsal uh, of things to come and hoping that those kids will like what they see on TV enough to potentially come up and see the real thing here in person, fingers crossed in the not too distant future. Thank you, Ryan Wallace. We appreciate your input. Now the roundtable turns its attention to Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman, 97-98 teams, and now our football analyst at Go Cat from down in his home in Frisco, Texas. I kind of yes. went all Keith Jackson there, didn't I? It was <laughs> hey, uh, you're the perfect guy to uh, either make my – uh, fears worse or make me feel better. So Kansas State 
kind of wipe the slate clean at offensive line. They had five main starters, all seniors last year. Josh Rivas started some, so he can be a starter coming back. But for the most part, this is a complete rebuild of an offensive line without spring football and without some of the early summer things that teams typically do. How difficult is this for Connor Riley to pull off? It's going to be challenging. I'm I'm not going to lie. It's going to be challenging. Having said that, if guys are talented, it will come along quickly. Now, when I say come along quickly, I mean, we might be talking three games in before things start to gel just because you don't have the practice time. But if we have the talented guys, which I think we do, it it will just take some game time, just – and even more than practice time, just game time, because even during practice, you have scrimmages and, you know, ones against ones, you know, good on good, things of that nature to to get better, to understand fits and, and all that stuff at full speed. And this is just challenging. I mean, the no spring ball, people, they downplay spring ball. Spring ball is important. It just is. And then with, you know, whatever you had as preseason camp, it's just – the offensive line is just—it's just difficult not having the reps because you know you just you got to play together. You just do. You got to play together. You got to know what what they're going to do. I mean, you're talking constantly. People think. I mean, offensive line and they're always talking, telling, "Hey, this guy's coming. Switch, pass." You know, it's a lot of stuff that goes on that that offensive line that people you don't hear because you can't really hear them on the field. A lot of talking, a lot of communication goes on all the time. So um, it's it's going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. So I don't want to. You know, I don't want to make it sound like it's we're doomed because we all love five guys, brand new five guys, but it's going to be difficult. But if guys are talented enough, we'll be okay. Chris Kleiman and Connor Riley inherited really talented, experienced guys last year on the offensive line. But I think you'll agree with me that they didn't quite get what they were supposed to do under this new system. They weren't quite the right fits to do some of the things like cut blocking and those things that they hadn't done in the past. And it was kind of like trying to teach an old dog new tricks. They didn't all kind of buy into it. And I feel like in some ways, in an odd way, starting over might help. Yeah, I think so as well, because it's just different, you know, different styles, different techniques, you know, being asked to do some things that, and quite honestly, maybe some guys just weren't capable of doing. And, you know, when you wipe the slate clean and it's like, look, this is what we want. And guys that have been in the program understand that then sometimes things like that can, will work themselves out and can be better. Um, I think, like I said, it's not having spring ball is just a nightmare. Um, But I, I believe that they can be better based on what you said, you know, just because they know what to expect. They understand it more. They, they've they been in it, even though you don't get to practice it, but you still have been in it and you know what the coaches are asking. Um, I think it's just going to be a better fit overall because you're right. There were some games where we thought, hey, we should be able to run the football right up and down these guys if we didn't do it. And I, it's you can say it's play calling, you can say it's this or that, but honestly, is the line weren't moving people, and if the line's not going to move people, it's hard to run the football. So 
Um, I think having another year, some more guys in the system that understand what they want is going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be good for us. And on top of all that, Arkansas State plays that three-man front that gives K-State problems. And I can't, Brian, I can't figure out why it's such an issue, but it could really, really get exposed in this game. I just don't. Maybe, and maybe this has to do with guys not understanding what we what we were asking last year. I don't know because going against a three-man line should be easy. I'll be honest with you. It's easy. I mean, oh, I say easy. I mean, nothing's easy in college football, but it's not as difficult. Just run downhill. You have three-man line because guys are usually bigger or they're usually not as big and are faster outside of Baylor's. You know, that was an anomaly. But usually it's because they're quicker on the edges. So you just run downhill at them, you know, and we just weren't able to do it. And I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer for you, Tim. I, I really do. It's just, it was very surprising that we just couldn't figure that out all year. All I mean, all year long. We could not figure out how to run against a three, three down line. I just thought, man, if we just run right at them, yeah. we'll be fine. But that wasn't the case. Is this a case this year where, at least early in the season, you talked about three games in, well, now you're talking 30% of the season, and you've got Arkansas State, which is a worthy opponent here in the opener. And after the off week, you go to Oklahoma. Do you kind of have to strip it down and keep it simple? And I don't mean go full high school football, but kind of keep it in that realm and pick your fights with more complex schemes here and there. And, and don't load as much into the game plan as you might typically. I think so because you didn't have the spring or the spring to do any of that. You didn't have as much fall or as much as you wanted to do. I just think you got to figure out what you do best against what they do best. And you got to go from there. You know, you can't, you're not going to just, just what you said, you're not going to be able to just throw everything out there. I go, that defeats the purpose this early in the season without practice time. If you break it down to just, easy terms just think of a guy coming off of an injury you wouldn't just throw him right out there and just say hey here you go here's 75 snaps that's not how you need you ease guys back in and this is the same thing you got to ease the guys into this and just do what you do well because they're not going to do everything well you know they're not going to do as much as you want them to do well right away and it just so happens we play oklahoma the second game of the year you're not going to be at your best. I mean, no team is at their best, or they shouldn't be at their best the second game of the year with no practicing, you know, with limited practices. So it's just, you know, it's what you said. We got to just do what we do best, but then against what they do best, you know, study film, understand that, which, I mean, coaches are going to do, guys are going to do, and then just go from there and just, you know, let the dice fall where they may. What are you most interested in seeing from this team as they open up at 11 a.m. Saturday? I want to see the fight. I want to see them come out and fight. I mean, football, it's been a long time since it's been we've been playing. But if you think about it, it mean, college football should have started just last weekend versus this weekend. So I want to see the excitement out of the guys. That's what I want to see. I want to see the excitement. I want to see improvement on defense. Um, definitely want to see the improvement on, on the offensive line uh, or just the, the cohesiveness. But Skyler, I want to see what steps he's taking. 
And, I mean, and it's so bad because he didn't have the, the, the time and the practice. But for us to go where we want to go, he has to be better. And I, I, that's what I – those are the things that I want to see. But it's – I hate saying it as an old offensive lineman, but it comes down to the quarterback. It just does. Yeah. Comes down to off of the line, but it comes down to your quarterback, especially especially in college football. He's just got to be better. He's got to be better, and if he is, then I think K State's going to have a good year. Well, I would agree with you. I'm very excited to see this Joe Klanderman defense and see how it may vary. We may not learn yes. much against Arkansas State. They might be really vanilla, to use a Bill Snyder word, uh, in this opener, just to be safe and not screw things up, but. Uh, uh, Brian, I can't believe it. We're going to get some football. We're going to play some football, uh, and, and it's yeah. uh, it's welcomed for me and my psyche, but uh, I think the fan base really needs it right now. I think the fan base, I think America as a whole right. needs football. You know, it, it just it just does. We got to have some positivity. All this political stuff, people going back and forth and people hating each other and things going all over the country. We need some normalcy and college football is normalcy. And we got to have that just, you know, I'm excited for it. My wife, everybody, everybody you talk to, man, they're going to play. They're going to play. Can't believe it. And I'm just super excited that we are going to get college football. Because if you'd asked me this a month and a half ago, I would have said there's absolutely no chance that this was going to happen. Absolutely no shot. And now that we're here, can't be more excited for it. I know. And it's 11 a.m. kick now, thanks to Baylor, Louisiana Tech, having to postpone its game in case they got moved into the big noon football slot there on Fox. So that's nice. And you know what that means for us, Brian? When we reconvene on Saturday following the game for the postgame podcast, it'll be the afternoon and not some crazy late night. And we, <laughs> we like that, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> And that was Brian Hanley, our football analyst. And now let's get the gambling angle on this game with our good friend Kelly Stewart, a.k.a. Kelly in Vegas. Kelly, how odd is this gambling environment right now with everything going on? It's so weird, Tim. Um, I'm very happy that the Big 12 figured out a way to play football amongst a couple other conferences. I'm so happy NFL is back this week but man i'm on this like i don't want to say i'm on edge but i'm very apprehensive normally i want to you know come out guns blazing and i'm going man it's uh it's wednesday okay it's thursday all right maybe on friday i'm gonna dip my toe in the water because everybody's having covid tests for the nfl on saturday like these are just things i I don't want to get caught uh saying you know damn it kelly you jumped the gun on a game and something crazy happens right because normally i'm a bet early and bet often person i like to look at the games lines when they come out monday if i don't think that number is going to be available i'm going to take it now um sometimes i'll wait till right before kick because i know that everybody's going to come in on the favorite and i might get an extra half point with the dog but it's a very it's a very unique year and we're going to get through it and it's going to be enjoyable because at least we have sports Thank goodness for that. It's such a volatile environment with betting, though. I mean, like you said, you could get to the day before a game, whether it's college or NFL, and five guys could disappear on you, and you're never going to be really sure what happened or why they didn't play. And then I, some teams will be better prepared in these short windows than other teams. It's just 
so many of the things you rely on, home field advantage and all that, just kind of go out the window. Well, home field advantage is going to be a really interesting one. You know, I was laughing because my aunt got her tickets and she's for the first time ever doesn't have paper tickets and spending a couple minutes with her on the phone. And I said, you know, I'm just really happy you guys get to go to the games. You should be too. And she said, of course, you know, I didn't want, she didn't want to break her, her home streak, but you're right. How much advantage is it going to be for K-State? I mean, you're going to have familiarity. You're going to not have to travel, but you know, it's not going to be K-State Texas at 6 PM when the kids have been drinking all day and it's beautiful, brisk 58 degrees outside. I mean, it's just not going to be the same. And I think you have to take this, probably in a more case-by-case type basis, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure it out from each team, right, whether it's college football, whether it's NFL. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to allow people to be there, but not in full capacity. So you can't give Kansas City their traditional three-and-a-half-point home field advantage. I can't give Kansas State that because we know that it's only going to be partially the students and partially season ticket holders. And, you know, if, if the average age of the person is the same age as my aunt, it's not going to be that loud. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, very strange. Uh, K-State opens at, I think you said it earlier, it was 12. It's kind of settled in at 10 and a half point favorite over Arkansas State. That a team that looked pretty good at times against Memphis. I think the final score was 37-24. Memphis got that win. And Arkansas State having a game under its belt probably is a little bit of an advantage here. What do you think of the 10.5 points? That's actually funny you said that. I just got done doing a segment with Ross Michaels uh, that works with me over at Wager Talk, and he said, Kelly, what do you think about a team that has a game under their belt? And I said, well, of course, that's an advantage. And he goes, is it? They're just 41% against the spread the following week. He goes, that's good news for your Kansas State Wildcats. And I and I hope he's right. But you are correct. When it goes down from 12 to 10 and a half, that's not a big money move. But somebody is respected there. And uh, I always try to, to take that with a grain of salt and say, hey, who somebody – from a bookmaking perspective, made a wager, and the bookmaker said, hey, maybe this number is just a little too high. At 10.5, I think it's still a little too high to make a wager on K-State. Seems like right now we got about 65% of the tickets, depending on where you look, on Kansas State. Lots of money on the under 54.5, and I think K-State's going to be lucky to get out with a win here, Tim, and that's just the the brutal reality right when you don't have spring practice when you don't have walkthroughs when the team doesn't have all those core pieces in place now don't get me wrong having Kleiman back for his second year having Skyler back as the starter under center is great but when you're missing some of those key components on defense and on offense it takes a while for that type of offense to get clicking and that is a concern for me with Kansas State here I like that 54 and a half under I I think this will be a low-scoring game. Kansas State's defense will lead the way. Um, I wasn't overwhelmed with Arkansas State's offense, but there's some nice pieces there. They've got some nice receivers. I just uh, – I'm I'm so shy about all of this because if you'd asked me if BYU would win at Navy, I would say, yeah, they're going to they're gonna beat Navy, but not like they did. That was absolutely an ass kicker. Yeah. I was shocked at how bad that was. Cause I said on Twitter, I go, you know, now the lines move this much. Maybe I lean Navy boy. Did I dodge a bullet there? Yeah. I mean, it's, we're going to see that we're going to see blowouts and then eventually we're going to get into the upsets and maybe it'll be this weekend around the big 12. 
there just isn't much in the Big 12. Losing Baylor, Louisiana Tech, which was considered the feature game, that tells you what the nature of the games are so far uh, in this non-conference slate. I guess the other game worth looking at is Louisiana at uh, Iowa State. I should probably say uh, national title contending Iowa State because that's the way uh, they think of their program. I don't don't know. Uh, Iowa State's favored by 11.5. The over-under is 56.5. I think Louisiana is going to give them some troubles. This is a pretty good Raging Cajuns team. You're absolutely right. They are a really good Raging Cajuns team. And I have them circled on my underdogs of the week list. And I think they're going to make the cut here. This is a Iowa State team that, no disrespect, is not going to have much home field advantage in Ames that they're used to. We know that it's going to be the case for a lot of teams. But when a smaller school, for example, a school from the Sun Belt, comes up and says, hey, look, We have a chance to beat a Power 5 school. Don't be surprised to see Iowa State on the ropes late in the fourth quarter here. I I really think this Iowa State team is well coached. I want to like this team, uh, but then you kind of said, hey, look, they have national title hopes in the mix. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think this team is going to quite be what they want. Now, listen – Brock Purdy was absolutely awesome last year. Um, you know, he is, isn't the only one that's returning. He's talented. Brees Hall is really good. We know that he's going to have a big rushing game. And I think that's going to be the edge for Iowa state there. If ULL can stop the run, I think they can beat the Cyclones. Uh, very interesting. The only other game I find interesting, just kind of as a, I don't know. A sideshow. Coastal Carolina at Kansas. I can't believe Kansas is bringing them back in uh, for a repeat visit. Now, KU is a seven-point favorite. I don't think KU is going to lose twice in a row to Coastal Carolina. But you said the money seems to be flowing towards Coastal Carolina. Wow. I am – okay, so when this came out, we heard KU is bringing back Coastal. Everybody laughed. Everybody made fun of KU. We know KU is not going to have any fans. And then all the jokes swirled around on the Internet about how it didn't matter because they don't have any fans anyway. And this one was KU minus three and a half. And I said, ooh, that's interesting. The bookmakers want you to bet KU here. Of course they do. Revenge situation. The KU should be improved under their second year under less miles. Uh it hit seven, and I go, what am I missing here? And it's getting tons of Coastal Carolina money. I, I'm afraid they look like the trappy underdog of the week. I, they seem like the sexy, trendy, take the seven. They're going to keep it close with KU. Uh, I don't want to say this, but I think KU is going to be improved. I, I, I think that it's the expectation that they're going to be improved. They have just been so atrocious against the spread in no form or fashion. Can you lay the seven? If you were going to play it, you had to lay three and a half, maybe even a little bit in between. But at seven now, you just got to probably leave this game alone. Yeah, I I agree. I think KU wins this, but I, I don't want to bet anywhere on KU just because I'm I don't trust them at all to I'm losing last time to Coastal Carolina summed it up. How did they do that? And they're capable of doing again. Okay. So to bring this back to Kansas state, if you were going to bet on this game, you'd probably take the under. 
Yeah, I lean towards the under here. I think the the problem is is the joke always has been life's too short to bet the under. So my hope is is that K-State's going to have an improved offense this year, right? I think we're going to start to see that in the second year with Chris Kleiman. Things should be clicking a little bit better. I made this game 32-28. Technically, that is an over game. Technically, that means Arkansas State's going to cover. And I don't agree with these numbers on either either fact. So I, I lean with K-State here. I'm not going to bet it in real life. I bet a couple Arkansas State fans on Twitter just for fun, give us some action. And then I do lean with you on the under here. Though I am really surprised to have seen it not move that much. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Depending on where you shop, the opener was 56. So down to 54 and a half is interesting. I, again, I agree with the move, but... I kind of thought K-State would would have a little bit more respect in the marketplace, but offensively, people just seem to think they're going to be a dud again. Thank you very much, Kelly. I always love talking to Kelly. She really knows her stuff. If you need a proxy service, by the way, to help you gamble and play contests out in Vegas, look up the Kelly in Vegas proxy service. Well, we've talked to Kevin Keatsman and our roundtable guests as we prepare you for Kansas State and Arkansas State. It kicks off at 11 and the table is set. Remember, go check out GoPowerCat.com for ongoing unmatched team and recruiting coverage from the longstanding experts in K-State coverage. I'm really proud of the work my staff does as we keep thousands of K-Staters from around the world updated on what's happening with the Wildcats. That's it for this week's preview of Kansas State football. I hope you join us each week as we prepare you for the Cats. The pandemic might go on, but we're not stopping and neither is K-State football. It's game day right around the corner. College football is arriving in Manhattan. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.